2014 is halfway over. We got some winners, we got some losers. You're in the right place, folks, because this is where the money is. Welcome to the show, folks. I am David Hansen. Right here is Tyler Riggs. Good to be here. Happy Monday. Tyler, how how are you? I'm doing well. Just in life. I'm doing well. You Life's know, it's good. It's a good summer so far, i got to say. Fourth of July. What are you doing? i got a wedding to go to. San Diego. Your wedding? Not my wedding, no. Okay. San Diego. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. Good weather. You know, six-hour flight. Can't go wrong with that. Do you sleep on planes, though? That's the question. Somewhat. I'm getting worse. I'm getting to be a worse sleeper on planes, which is something that's a worrying trend mm. to see. Not, not happy good. about that trend. So. You gotta get to like that old man status exactly. where you can just fall asleep right exactly. away. Exactly. You're close. Just bring a not, newspaper on and fall asleep in two not minutes. There yet. You gotta wear a blazer too. Okay, I can you gotta do that. Wear a blazer. I think I can do that. All right, we're recapping the winners and the losers mm-hmm. so far of 2014. The year's already halfway over. Yeah. I can't, can't even believe it. We're gonna start with the losers. Okay. Is that okay? Start I with think the losers. That works. Citigroup. Yeah. I've been a loser in the past and I hate to poke them with a stick again, but. They're losing in 2014. After a good 2013, they made some progress. Uh, investors starting to regain confidence in Michael Corbett. We saw the multiples on the stock increase. Kind of shows that people are feeling more confident with yeah. it. Not the case this year. Down almost 10%, around 9.5% year to date. A couple of reasons why here. Yeah, yeah. Walk so, us through a couple of them. So obviously the first one is going to be the rejection of the stress test plan for them, their mm-hmm. capital plan. That was really the start of it. Yeah, basically on qualitative aspects. So mm-hmm. again, qualitative, what that exactly means, no one's sure, but mm-hmm. I think that was sort of the thing that really took the wind out of the sails there. Um, and then, you know, obviously this other little scandal with uh, this company or this division Banamex, mm-hmm. um, basically only a $400 million fraud in the company. Uh, but it's a small, small beans, but mm-hmm. it's a headline and people are, you know, going to pounce on that headline. So Unfortunately, yeah. though, I think those two together just kind of really have slowed down Citigroup's progress. This yeah, year. and it was we should say it was fraud from a yes, client, yes. not necessarily fraud perpetrated exactly. by uh, or alleged fraud perpetrated by Citigroup mm-hmm. here. But again, it did ding earnings in, like you said. I think it just played into the narrative that Citigroup is a little bit too complex to manage. Yeah. Even though Michael Corbett's gotten high high grades f- from many people out there, can one man really oversee all of these divisions yeah. in all, all over the world? This isn't just an American bank. Mm-hmm. Almost sixty percent of their revenue comes in, comes from international operations. So, I, I think that just highlighted the fact that this is a really hard bank to manage. And you know what? That too, and I think that's something we might see with some other companies here is that the international exposure, emerging markets have not mm-hmm. had a good time in the past year or so. Right. And I think maybe that might be another th- another headwind that people are seeing and saying, eh, maybe Citigroup's not looking all that great this year or even next year too. Right. And despite these issues this mm-hmm. year, if you came into twenty fourteen liking Citigroup and believing this is a long-term rebuilding story here yeah. and there's there's room for investors to be compensated for the risk they're taking. Mm-hmm. I don't know if your thesis changes that much based on what we've seen. Okay, the stress test, yeah. not great, and, and this client fraud in Mexico. Does that really alter someone's opinion who was bullish on Citigroup? I don't think so. I, I don't think so either. I think this is something where, yeah, the Banamex thing is just really a headline, you know, mm-hmm. that looks bad. The stress test is concerning, but I think that's something where cities just they're just in a transition. I mean, mm-hmm. they're trying to wind down city holdings. And until that's gone, it's just going to be a drag on their top and bottom line earnings. And I, I think that's something that's just going to be the general market's not going to be happy to see. But if you're looking a little bit deeper and you like that transition that they're, mm-hmm. they're doing, there's going to be some more bumps along the road. But I think that's, you know, in the long run, they'll still be good. So. I agree. All right, let's move on to a winner. Okay. And this is a surprise to yeah. anyone who followed the the sector in 2013. We're going to just the broader REIT sector here. This was obviously a terrible area Mm -hmm. in 2013 as interest rates went higher. 
REITs went lower. Yeah. Uh, but it's been the opposite story this year. The Dow Jones REIT index up, I think, around 17%. Something like that, yeah. Because... Like I just said, interest rates are down. The 10-year Treasury down around 13% this year. Mm -hmm. And when we look at just the broader REIT industry, it's going to move in the short term at an inverse to what interest rates are doing. Because if investors can get a higher yield in fixed income, they're going to rotate out of the equity REIT market here. And that's going to cause those yields to adjust accordingly Mm -hmm. uh, because most people are buying these for their dividend there. So it's been a good year for them. A couple of the big ones that we've talked about at the beginning of the year, has having a bad 2013. Sure. Annually capital up around 20%, including dividends. Realty income up over 23%, mm-hmm. including dividends there. So REITs, not dead quite yeah. yet. I think that's something where you, you, you look at the interest rate trends, and I think you also look at sort of a little bit more confidence in our economic recovery. Mm-hmm. You think about you know not only mortgage REITs, but the, you know commercial real estate starting to, you know, People may be saying, okay, we, it's time to start, you know, thinking about, you know, more locations or, you know, developing new uh, locations too. So I think that's something where maybe people are cautious, they're, mm-hmm. but they're dipping their toes back in. And I think you're starting to see a little bit of that sentiment start to say, okay, this recovery was shaky for a while. Maybe it's gaining some legs there. Yeah, and I think that definitely impacts realty probably more than yeah. a mortgage REIT like yeah. Annalee or American Capital Agency. They're going to be much more subject to what are interest rates yeah. doing. But looking at realty, that's actually there's actually an underlying operating business there mm-hmm. in terms of owning the properties and leasing those out yeah. uh, to tenants. Occupancy still in the high 90% for realty income. So. I said it in the year in review at the end of the year last year that Realty Income's business is performing quite well. It's just the interest rate environment that's impacting them. So I think this year, with interest rates down, the business continued to do well. That's why you're seeing the stock up this year. Good call. All right. It is a good call. Yeah. All right, let's move back over to the losers. Surprising here. Mm -hmm. Another surprise. Visa and MasterCard. We highlighted these in our end-of-the-year end of 2013 review as winners. They've been winners for 2013, 2012, yeah. 2011. Basically, oh, wow. since they've been public, they've been winners. But taking a pause here in 2014, the stocks are down. Mm-hmm. I think, what, MasterCard down? Well, I think it's 12%, 12%. 11 and a half right now. Visa down around 5%. Yeah, yeah. So not huge. These aren't crashing by any means, but definitely taking a pause. What did you see as the biggest catalyst for the breather. Yeah, so I think these ones are tough to try to figure out what happened this mm-hmm. year. I mean, the obvious one, the big one, is this Russia situation with yep. them sort of being strong-armed by the Russian government to basically take it or leave it type deal. Yep. And Visa and MasterCard saying, well, you know, we don't really have much leverage here and, you know, the Russian government's trying to basically make a statement with these yeah. two companies. So I think it's something where whether or not it's a big part of their business People still were like, you know, this is concerning about mm-hmm. these two companies. So that was probably a drag. I think, again, it's maybe the emerging markets exposure, too. People just see slower growth in these, these you know, emerging market countries. And I think that's maybe just another headwind that people are having. Mm-hmm. You know, with these two companies, they're still excellent businesses. Yep. Um, if those are the reasons and those are the reasons, the only reasons I could find, I think that's, I mean, very encouraging if you're mm-hmm. trying to get into these stocks. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I could find. Basically. Yeah, definitely on an, on an operating perspective, I'm mm-hmm. with you. I didn't see anything that really fundamentally changes where Visa and MasterCard are going. Yeah. But to me, it's more of a valuation, mm-hmm. maybe pause here. And that was one of the reasons that I cited earlier this year is maybe I'm not super excited about these stocks. The valuations are, at, the stocks yeah. are at all time high, but also the valuation multiples are creeping higher. Uh, so we saw, quote unquote, growth stocks pull back at the beginning of, of this year. I wouldn't call these growth stocks, but 
maybe this was a segment of the market where people said these valuations are getting a little bit ahead of themselves. Yeah. But I'm with you as a long-term business owner. I don't own either of these. The fundamentals of the business are still fine mm-hmm. for now. Yeah. You mentioned the, the international exposure. I think there is a slight risk that other countries like Russia, uh, where Visa and MasterCard are, are players, can start to realize, hey, these businesses make a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you look at the EBIT margins of these companies, I think it's like 65%. They're mm-hmm. in insanely profitable companies. And you've got to wonder if there are going to be some, some countries out there saying, maybe we should build our own system, kind of like China has with union pay, yeah. uh, where they can get revenue uh, from a government perspective. So uh, I think that's a slight risk, but not, nothing to derail the company and, right now. And I think sort of going along with threats to the business, I think we've had a, heard a lot of talk about you know, mobile payments technology, mm-hmm. too. That's another thing where you know, it's the, the, the disrupt word, I think, is yep. thrown around a lot. Everyone's saying who's going to disrupt the mobile payments or the payment technology space. I don't think we've really seen any sort of substantial entries into that space that is really, you know, it's really going to change mm-hmm. these businesses. But I think that's something that people are still saying there's uncertainty there. Mm-hmm. And people, you know, hit stocks because of uncertainty. Exactly. All right, let's move back over to a winner, an mm-hmm. enormous winner. It keeps oh, yeah. on winning. We would pulled our year-to-date numbers last week. Yeah. And we had to update it this morning because Another the 10%. stock continues to go higher. And that's Zillow. Up 75% wow. this year Yeah, after, I think, doubling last year. Mm-hmm. So this is a company that continues to have higher expectations baked into the stock price here. Yeah. Uh, its price-to-sales ratio, I think, over the last year is up 50% mm-hmm. just this year. That's crazy. So the expectations uh, are, are climbing here. Sales are up. Revenue is up, but the expectation is really getting baked in here. I think the price-to-sales ratio is double that of its closest competitor, truly, and maybe it may be I, even triple. I think it's yeah. It's almost, last time we checked, it was almost three times as high. Almost three times. Yeah. So it is the dominant player in the yeah. space compared to Trulia, but three times the expectations here. That's a, pr- uh, that a big price tag, right? I, there. I I own shares of Zillow, but I got I have to admit I, I'm a little bit cautious at, at today's valuation. Yeah, is this a company? Or a stock that you're interested, in, or is it? Is there one and not the other? So you asked me last week. I was, you know, maybe I could be a little bit more interested. Another ten percent is sort of like, wow, this mm-hmm. might be just getting to burning hot valuations mm-hmm. here. Um, but this is also one of those stocks where you need to focus on the business and maybe less on the actual price tag. I'd yep. say if you're thinking about investing in this company for the long term, which I think there is just a huge runway for this company in terms of how little the, of the market share they actually have and how they're already growing. And this is a network effect, effect company yep. where basically the more realtors and the more home buyers that are coming to this one place, the more value it has. Exactly. So I think that's just going to snowball more and more. Again, that is a very pricey uh, valuation, but mm-hmm. I think it's something where I think it still maybe is worthy of consideration as investment. I mean, it is... For the long term, for focusing yeah. on the business there. Yeah, and I, I'm with you. you got to think long term mm-hmm. here. And you also have to be willing, if you're buying Zillow at, I think the valuation is close to $6 billion today, I think you have to be willing to buy this if it's at $3 billion. Yeah. I think this is, it, I'm not saying, I'm not predicting this, mm-hmm. but it's certainly possible this could go down 50%. We've seen sure. companies that, that thrive over the long term that are quote-unquote growth stocks that can fall 50%, but then still be very successful in the long term. So I think you have to be willing to understand the business and buy this at a cheaper valuation if you're considering buying today. But at $6 billion, that makes a, uh, 
That makes a double hard to get yeah. in, in a five-year period if that's what you're kind of looking for with mm-hmm. this type of growth stock. Is this a $12 billion company in five years? There's a chance. I, I can see the runway, and like you said, very small percentage of the market here. Yeah. But the expectations are, are very high right now. I think you have to be willing to, to average in here if yeah. you need to. And I think uh, you made a good point about being willing to buy that company at half the value. Mm-hmm. I think this is something where maybe this is just one of these things where there's so many pieces of good news stacked mm-hmm. on top of each other. People get such sky-high expectations. So when the first bad or even mm-hmm. mediocre piece of news happens, this you know stock's price could plummet just mm-hmm. because people like the you know the, the fun ride's over, you know the party's over, whatever that phrase is. Mm-hmm. I can't remember it, but... And that might really hit the stock right there, but that could also be a good point to say, okay, people are overreacting to this not-so-excellent news. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be a point to get into this uh, this stock. Yeah, definitely one to watch. We'll Absolutely. see in six months when we do the year interview, we'll see if it's still mm-hmm. up 75% if it or goes higher down, or less. If it goes down 50% at the end of the year and you made that call now, that's... You're on fire. I mean, there that's, go. that's got to be a good I'm, year. I'm going to write a book about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move back over to a loser. Not a huge loser here, but relative to the rest of the market, S&P is, what, up 6%, 7% this yeah. year? Going over to Bank of America, down around 1%. Had a good start to the year, but like Citigroup, around the stress test is mm-hmm. where things kind of derailed a little bit here. Yeah. We had uh, this self-reported accounting error mm-hmm. that had to deal with uh, stuff coming over from Merrill Lynch that they kind of realized, hey, we noticed that we were accounting for this incorrectly, yeah. and we have to revise our capital ratios, halted the dividend increase, halted the buybacks, and the stock has kind of gone down since then. Mm-hmm. You've got some interesting thoughts on the self-reported accounting error. What do you think that means to the future of Bank of America and also just the, the banking industry. Yeah, so I think that was, yeah, that's another sort of like Citigroup. Things were kind of going well for Bank of America. You mm-hmm. know, they've got this clear path towards simplicity, towards, you know, reducing their branch count, towards focusing on customers, getting them cross-sold in the products, much mm-hmm. like, you know, Wells has been doing for years correctly, and it's really shown. Yep. Bank of America, you know, this little event where this, you know, they found this accounting error reported to the Fed, and I think they got their dividend, you know, plan basically halted. Yeah. Um, I think it's encouraging to see that out of Bank of America, but it's really kind of scary for the bigger banking industry as a whole. I mean, they passed the stress tests, and they find this accounting error. Mm-hmm. So, first off, not only did the Fed say you're good to go, it checks out. Second off, they didn't even find the error in this. This yeah. is Bank of America self-reporting it, and Bank of America is has to you know respond to the regulators, to the Fed. But they also have to respond to their shareholders, and shareholders are going to start losing patience. Mm-hmm. Shareholders are not patient people. And I think this is something where what's the incentive for banks to continue to self-report these errors to the Fed if these are going to be headline events, they're going to hammer their prices, and it's really going to make shareholders, you know, call Question for, the management as well. Question management, call for their heads and mm-hmm. everything. And I think that's something that's concerning to see going forward is... Banks still need to do, I think, a lot of unpopular things. They need to do a lot of self-reporting. They need to say, look, we didn't know what this was. It's taken us five years to figure out what it is, but we've been counting for it wrong. They need to be able to sort of have an environment to report those things without having it, you know, destroy value and, you know, effectively, you know, maybe, you know, another management change at a a bank. Is that sort of ruining all the progress that they've had in terms of trying to simplify, trying to recover from the crisis? Yeah, you have to wonder if something like that came up again, Mm -hmm. lift up the rug and and sweep it under. 
And that would be a short-term solution, but I think, like you said, you do have to feel a little bit more confident that they reported it. Yeah. Again, I'm not patting them on the back for having an accounting error, mm-hmm. but the fact that they did report it, that somewhat speaks to the the change in culture that we may be seeing in, in big banks yeah. like Bank of America. That would That's a long-term winner for shareholders, a, a culture where people feel comfortable self-reporting mm-hmm. an error and, and driving that up to regulators. So again, short-term issue, yeah. but I think longer-term it is a positive yeah. that, that they at least came forward with I that. think I think if you can, you know, all else equal, if you can buy shares of Bank of America, live in a country for two years that has no internet access, no TV, nothing, I think you'll be fine. But mm-hmm. I think it's something where this is a very just, it's a hard stock to have in your portfolio because you see they're doing the right things here, but it's not reflected in the share price just mm-hmm. because... They've got to do these unpopular things. They've got to do things that are not growth-based but more of shrinking businesses, simplifying, because it's really going to help them in the longer term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, it's easy to say, well, I'm not going to be affected by the news. They don't, yeah. It doesn't matter what, what anyone says. But like you said, it is. Everyone has an opinion on Bank of America, and it is one that if you're comfortable with the valuation and, and you want to buy it today, put it in the drawer and close your ears and, yeah. and you're fine. Because you don't want to look seven months out and see that the stock has gone nowhere mm-hmm. and start to say, well, you know, is it time to potentially get out of this? Or right. Like that? All right, moving on to our last group here. Mm-hmm. I grouped them, and I'm just calling these the good banks that, that are having a good year in contrast to maybe Citigroup and Bank of America. Historically, haven't been as great. Wells Fargo up around 17%, PNC up around 16%, U.S. Bancorp up around 7%. So these are just good, solid banks Really strong balance sheets, breeze yeah. through the stress tests, increased dividends, increased buybacks. Wells Fargo, an enormous buyback program there. Um, so not a huge surprise here. We continue to see decent economic data. Mm-hmm. Credit quality continues to get better at all these banks. So yeah. not super surprised that they're having a, a strong year here. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Just It's almost like the banking industry is divided into two. Mm-hmm. The ones that are stepping backwards, reevaluating everything they're doing, trying to simplify the city groups, the Bank of Americas. And then you've got these other ones, the Wells Fargo's, U.S. Banks, mm-hmm. PNC's that are saying they're taking advantage of this opportunity to expand, yep. to really open up new branches, really find new deposits, new customers and things like that. And it's interesting. You can't really paint a broad brush around this industry anymore because especially with Citigroup and Bank of America, what they're doing might take another mm-hmm. couple of years and everything What's going to happen in the meantime with Wells Fargo and U.S. Bank getting bigger and bigger and bigger? It's going to be interesting to see what the banking industry looks like in the future. I mean, it might be much more specialized Mm -hmm. where, you know, Citigroup, you know, instead of trying to do everything and anything everywhere in the world, maybe they might be more of an international player. Bank of America, Wells, obviously they're Mm U.S.-based. But I think that's something you're seeing as sort of the industry not all following the same path. Yeah, and that's certainly been the case in the last several years. And any time you have a... A credit crisis, you're going to have some dislocation in terms sure. of the good banks and the bad banks, and we definitely had that between Wells Fargo, J.P. Mm-hmm. Morgan. Even you could argue they, didn't have, they haven't had a great run in the last yeah. year or so, but still came out of the crisis in a better position than Citigroup and Absolutely. Bank of America. So we're starting to get a little bit more grouped together. I yeah. think over the next couple of years, we'll start to throw all these banks into all oh, the banks are just doing well. Mm-hmm. And that's when it gets a little dangerous and you have to understand yeah. which ones are really performing well, which culture is really underwriting good loans yep. and stuff like that. So, And where their business yeah, is coming from, too. Exactly. I mean, is it investment banking? Is it international banking? Mm-hmm. Or is it U.S. mortgages? You know, things right. like that. I think that's, when, yeah, like I said, when everybody lumps 
the banks together. That's where problems happen because mm-hmm. you just think the only thing different between them is their logos yep. and their prices, and that's not the case at all. Right. So I'm sure we will see further consolidation, or not consolidation, but grouping them together sure. until the next downturn yes. where we see some more dislocation. We'll do our best not yeah. to group them together. How about which, is, which is where, the, if, you're, if you're investing in Citigroup and Bank of America mm-hmm. d- today, you're arguing that they're going to be okay in the next credit crisis. Yeah. You're saying they learned their lesson. They now have good risk management. They're now making good loans. Mm-hmm. That's your thesis there. Yeah. If you think this, these are two organizations that are going to thrive in the next credit downturn. And we don't know until that happens. We do know there's going to be another recession. There's going to mm-hmm. be another downturn. And that'll be kind of the proving ground for Citigroup and Bank of America. Yep. All right. Of all of these, give me one that you're just interested. It's on your radar. You're going to read, you're going to read a little bit more about it. I, I think... This is probably the, it might be the obvious one, but I'm most interested in Zillow. I think it's something where it's a good exercise in how do they build, how do they build that growth in a, to a point where it's a sustainable competitive advantage, mm-hmm. you know? Is it just their brand? Is it what's really sticking people to that website? I mean, if Trulia or any other competitor creates a new feature or provides new data or something like that, what's the switching cost for mm-hmm. customers? It might not be that much. So I think it would be really interesting to see how Zillow really kind of latches those customers onto their website. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just an interesting case in terms of focusing. It's a good challenge to focus on the business and less on the actual stock price yeah. and say, yes, it is expensive today. But looking at where its future holds, wh- how it's erecting those barriers to entry, mm-hmm. I think that's a good, just a good interesting story to look at. I'm going to steal yours. I agree. It's a very interesting because there's so many there's so many bulls on the business of Zillow, yeah. but then there's so many bears on the stock and to the and the business to some extent mm-hmm. as well. I know there was a new short case that came out from Citron Research this morning uh, on the company. So it's going to be very interesting to see yeah. where this company goes over the next three years. Does it continue to take that market and just completely dominate it, or does someone new come in? Yeah. And whether it's Trulia, whether it's a company like I don't know Google. Yeah. Is there any challenge or threat to their dominance mm-hmm. now. That'll be very interesting to watch. And I think it's just something, too, where if Zillow keeps up this growth, it's going to change the real estate industry, yeah. too. And I think that'll just be an interesting trend to say, you know, how does that change? How does buying and selling a home actually change? Maybe agents become less of a factor in it because you can get your own data. You can find your own comps. Mm-hmm. You can do all that analysis on your own. Who knows? Yes. Very, very interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, the year is halfway over. We will be, well, we'll be back next week. But we'll also yeah. be doing the whole year in six months from now, mm-hmm. reviewing to see where all of these companies finish the year. Even though a year is kind of an arbitrary time period, exactly. we're not going to hold it too much to them. But <laughs> we'll be back and we'll do another review in six months from now. Great. All right. As always, you can tweet at us. We are at TMF Financials. You can send us an email, wtmi at fool.com. We will see you tomorrow.